Anna here. Did you know I have another podcast? And did you know it's all about failure? Well, at this point, you'd have to answer yes to both of those questions because I just told you. But my other show isn't just about failure. It's about failing your way to success. Yes, success. Because the most successful people are often just the people who've gotten up the most times after their failures. Don't believe me? Go download Fail Your Way to Success wherever you get your podcasts or go to failyourway.com for more info. Now back to the show. I wouldn't say we fell in love right away. I think we were, as they call it in the biz, trauma bonding. And then after eight years of being insufferably sober, I started drinking again. Addicts tend to be rather sensitive people. Aren't you Mark Maron? I'm like, yeah. And she goes, what happened to you? Hey, you're listening to Recover Girl. It's a podcast all about addiction and recovery. I am your host, Anna David. Now, you are listening to a very special episode of Recover Girl because listeners know every other week I've been releasing episodes where I interview somebody about their addiction and recovery. Now, I'm going to start releasing episodes called Recover Girl Goes to the Psychiatrist, where I interview one of my very closest friends who happens to be a leading psychiatrist. Yes, I'm name dropping. And I get a chance to ask him one of the many questions that I have been sent over the years. So if you would like to have a question answered by a psychiatrist, email me, Anna at AnnaDavid.com. If you would like to know more about this podcast and other things I do, go to recovergirl.biz. Now let me introduce my co-host. His name is Dr. Josh Lichtman. And Josh, what do we want the listeners to know about you? Uh, Well, first off, hi, everybody. And thanks for having me. So I am a psychiatrist, hence the the title of the the program. Which we can admit you named. Yeah, I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid to admit that. Yeah. And uh, I guess a little bit about me. I'm an adult psychiatrist. I spend a lot of time dealing with addiction. Um, I'm the medical director at Refuge Recovery, and then other than that- A super cool dude. Thank you. So, I want to say up front that the information on this podcast, while it will be excellent, is not intended or implied to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. RecoverGirl is not responsible for any advice, course of treatment, diagnosis, or any other information mentioned on this podcast. Okay. So I'm going to get into the first question that I was sent. It is, I was told that I suffer from dual diagnosis disorder because I told the people in my rehab that I've been depressed. Now, what exactly doesn't, does that mean? Aren't most people who come into rehab after bottoming out depressed? So dual diagnosis or being duly diagnosed. Which is the same as co-occurring disorders? Pretty much. Um, But it's something specifically that we'll talk about in the context of addiction within psychiatry and the jargon of psychiatry. It's that you have both an addiction disorder as well as a primary psychiatric disorder. And the truth is that just about everybody that I see in recovery does have a dual diagnosis. So it seems kind of redundant. Well, there's a difference between something being a almost clinical depression or clinical other disorder versus just kind of difficulties adjusting to something. But what what I find in in my daily life is that you don't end up having a severe addiction problem without an underlying 
primary psychiatric disorder, typically depression or anxiety or trauma. And so it, it really does seem like a redundant kind of qualification. Does that mean that every person who comes into rehab needs to be put on some sort of an antidepressant? No, absolutely not. Absolutely not. Because so much of it's situational. Right. And everybody's different too. You know, so whereas a lot of people do benefit from not only treatment, you know, drug treatment, but also medication, not everybody. And it doesn't mean that everybody needs to be on meds, nor does it mean that everybody who has a diagnosis of depression or anxiety that the answer is necessarily medication. So, but if it is situational, then how does it make it clinical? Aren't those sort of diametrically opposed? Um, I don't think so. Okay. You know, because it's really more the the ramifications of that particular depression, right? I mean, right. something can be a situational depression, but have very horrible ramifications and have a very kind of bad scenario for somebody so what is there an actual definition like this if it's this many days or months then it's there clinical. Is. There, okay. there's a lot of that stuff which you know the dsm which i'm i'm very much not a fan of the dsm I, i'm in the school of thought that doesn't like the dsm really and the dsm you know initially it was created as a way for insurance companies to kind of code and bill and it's evolved into this, you know, somewhat helpful, but more cookbooky type of diagnostic manual. And that's so, what it stands for. D yeah, exactly. Diagnostic exactly. medical. Uh, it's DSM Sorry. diagnostic something. something. Yeah. And medical. there's been multiple variations of the DSM. Yeah. And it's evolved. I mean, in the past, there were things where they, you know, they labeled if being gay was a disorder right. or they said that if you had more than one tattoo that you were an antisocial personality disorder. Oh my God, I'm diagnosing you. <laughs> right. Um, so I always laugh at that one. So uh, again, I don't really hang my hat on the DSM. Right. And I think most kind of weathered clinicians don't either. So, but what if you had to say, well, the difference between clinical depression and well, situational? Again, or, I mean, there, there is kind of like a criteria and we could pull it out and look it up. Right. But it really is more in the context of kind of what's happening and how much of an impact is it having on somebody's life and for how long. Mm. So, so um, it doesn't have to do with how... Like, is it like six months or longer? Is well, it like you can't it, get out of bed? Yeah, I mean, again, the, like if you look at the DSM, which unfortunately does have this huge power in our field. Yes. It gives specific criteria, which I, I don't memorize the criteria. And so I would have to look it up to really kind of sound like I knew what I was talking about. But it does give specific criteria as far as length of time and duration and severity of symptoms. For me, when I give somebody a diagnosis, I'm really looking more at, again, same sort of thing, but I'm not quantifying it in, in quite the same way. So you can sort of, when you see it, you know Yeah, it. you can tell. I mean, and this this also kind of brings up, you know, the, the other kind of tricky thing about psychiatry is that it's very gray. Yes. The thing about psychiatric di like diagnoses or disorders is that, and this is something that usually pisses people off when I say it, but it also liberates people. They're all made up. There's no blood test for depression. There's no screening you know well there's screening exams but there's no pure diagnostic test for just about every single psychiatric disorder now maybe in the future there will be but right now there isn't anything and so every diagnosis is really a clinical diagnosis which is really a description of you know typically a constellation of symptoms well 
So I think that is a very, I hope that we answered your question about dual diagnosis disorder. You are, what I can conclude is you are certainly not alone with somebody at your rehab telling you that. And, you know, ask some questions and don't assume that means you have to go on a medication. Exactly. So fantastic. You have been listening to Recover Girl, the podcast all about addiction and recovery. Again, if you have any questions, email them to me, Anna at AnnaDavid.com to get subscribed to the newsletter for this podcast. Go to RecoverGirlNewsletter.com. We'll see you next time.